So I, I want to tell you that um, mental illness can range from very minimal symptoms to that persistent chronic severe. Uh, so the folks on that end of the spectrum where it's severe chronic illness, they're likely going to have a course of treatment that involves them being in and out of psychiatric hospitals. Um, medications, it, particularly when you get to that level of treatment, often have side effects. People don't want to have those side effects. They stop taking their medication. They stop taking their medication. The symptoms come back, right? So you have a kind of revolving door. Um, then we have people who have more mild symptoms. They're very manageable. Sometimes they don't even need medication as much for them. They learn some coping skills and behavioral things, and they're able to, to be able to successfully navigate their illness. And then we have people that'll fall somewhere in between. And so one of the things that is really important to do is understand your loved one's illness. What is the course of the illness? Does it get worse? Is it, is it chronic? So that means it's going to be going on forever. Is it um, just something that happened because there was a stressor that triggered it? So it's situational and it is going to resolve as this stress resolves. Um, if, if there is any um, effects of other illnesses being comorbid, right? So do, does diabetes make it worse? Um, they have GI issues. Does that make this, this illness worse? Um, what are some of the other things that I need to consider in terms of looking at this illness? Do I need to look at their, their, their diet, what they're eating, what they're, what they're drinking? Does that affect? We know that in our kiddos, um, there are certain types of dye that can affect their behavior. We know that caffeine can affect people's behavior. We know nicotine can affect people's behavior, right? So some of these things can make an illness worse. So if we manage the um, food intake and the beverage intake, then sometimes we will see the symptoms lessen. So it's really important to, and that's why I like more of a comprehensive approach to mental health care. So we're looking at nutrition, we're looking at physical fitness and health, we're looking at medical conditions, all of these things go together, spirituality, they all go together. So if we can figure out how this particular illness is affecting our loved one, then we can examine all these other factors and see what we can utilize to support this person in their illness. Now, I will tell you that there is a lot of information out there, but you want to make sure that wherever you're getting your information from is a trusted research-based source. So there are podcasts with licensed professionals. You can see your uh, pediatrician. There are psychiatrists that manage children and adolescents, as well as those that manage adults, uh, licensed mental health professional in terms of counseling, treatment facilities. Do we have websites like the American Psychological Association? Uh, there, so you wanna make sure that you're not just picking up information from unreliable sources. And why that is important is because when it comes to treatment options, and that includes medication, we can do more harm than good to people. And, and some of the reason why there's stigma around mental health and mental health treatment is that people have had a negative experience either with a mental health provider or when they're taking medication. We know that people have been over-medicated. We know that people have been under-medicated. So they're getting a lot of, uh, when they're over-medicated, they're getting a lot of side effects. And side effects can be really, really um, difficult, especially when you talk about psychiatric medications, there can be significant weight gain. Um, people can have tremors. It can affect their ability to be able to walk and it can affect their ability to be able to talk. 
um, they can have seizures. So there's some significant things can affect their um, liver and their kidneys, right? So we want to make sure that our loved ones are getting adequate treatment and that the treating professional is an expert in the area where they're being treated. So they are less likely to have a negative experience. And unfortunately, there is a wee bit of trial and error when it comes to medication because all of us do uh, tolerate medications differently and there's a lot of factors that affect how our bodies metabolize medication. And so sometimes a person will be on a couple of different medications before you get to one that's a good fit or a, a few together that are a good fit. And that process can be very trying for the family as well as the loved one that has the mental illness and being patient and working through that process can be tough. That is, however, often the best course of treatment is a combination of medication and therapy when we're talking about individuals that have more of that severe, persistent mental health um, kind of issue. Now, for people that's got mild symptoms, they may be able to be fine with just therapy and they may not need medication. But it is important to understand what are the treatment options for this person. And I need to do my research so I can understand a little bit as well and consult with a medical professional so that I can understand. You can ask questions, get information, ask for resources, ask for pamphlets, ask for books, ask for good websites so that you can get information. And it's important to know how these medications interact with other medications, because we do know that sometimes we're getting side effects because we're having interaction effects. So we definitely don't wanna be taking medications that are going to negatively interact with each other, when's the best time to take the medication? Does this medication have the tendency to cause um, my stomach to be upset? Do I need to eat with this medication? Not eat with this medication. Does this medication make me drowsy? So I need to take it at night. Does this medication cause me to be more alert and I need to take it during the day, right? So understanding the dynamics, the shelf life of the medication, how long is it actually in your system? And so when I start to see symptoms coming back, do I need to get another booster for an afternoon, for example, to make sure that we're managing your symptoms throughout the day. It may also be helpful to go to family counseling <laughs> to understand what is going on, be able to deal with your own feelings about uh, caregiving for someone that has a, a, a mental illness or uh, the changes in the family dynamics because oftentimes other people in the family may feel neglected because the attention is shifted to this person. And then there is a lot of misunderstanding again about the illness and blaming this person for this illness and saying they're doing these things on purpose. And so we get resentful. And so we need to be processing that as well. I think it's really important when I talk about a wellness plan, this goes for people that have been diagnosed with mental illness as well. Let us create a plan to manage this illness, to help this person be the most well they can be. And that includes a crisis management plan, especially if you have a loved one who has tendencies to be suicidal. And so sometimes suicidality comes along with a mental health disorder. And so people will attempt or at the very least have thoughts of, and so we need to be able to manage what happens when this person becomes suicidal. Where do we go? How do we intervene? What precautions do we need to take in place and have at home for this loved one in terms of keeping things locked away um, or not having access, right? So when you have somebody, for example, that's suicidal, you may not want to have firearms in your home or at the very, at very least you want to have them locked up and away where a person can't get to them. The same for if we have people who may be engaging in cutting behaviors, where are the razors? Where are the scissors? Where are the knives, right? So we have to be kind of thoughtful about those things and that goes 
into this management plan of how we're we're being able to help support this loved one as they're dealing with this illness. What are my support services? What are the crisis lines? Do we have financial support that could be able to be helpful in terms of us? Because we know medication can be expensive. Counseling can be expensive, particularly if you don't have insurance. But even sometimes when you do, your copay can be uh, very high if you have a high deductible plan. So how are we paying for their treatment? And are there some resources to be able to assist us in taking care of them and being, being able to make sure they get adequate care? Because all treatment is not equal. And we do know that sometimes people don't have access to good quality care. But is there a program that could pay for them so that we're able to make sure that they get the support that they need? I will also tell you that family members can be in very different places around how they want to manage a loved one's illness. Some people may say they don't need all of that. Other people may say they need more. And so we often will get into a wee bit of a, a dispute in families at times about care. So you, again, may want to utilize a family counselor or a treating professional to help intervene. Here's the facts. Here's what research that we have evidence-based treatments. And those are the treatments that over time through research we have found work very well for particular disorders, right? So we want to talk to people that understand that information. Hey, we're recommending this treatment option because we know it has an 80% rate of being successful with this particular disorder. We want to also make sure that people have an opportunity to be educated about this course again of of illness why this why this particular treatment is important but also what are some of the things that we may be seeing in this individual that we need to normalize as like hey this is a part of their illness because we get to the point again where we're blaming this person for what they're doing we think they're being manipulative um, and i'm not saying that people can't be manipulative because they can but i need to understand the difference between their behavior being a reflection of their illness and their behavior being a reflection of them trying to get a need met in a different way. And how can we teach them, and this goes to the wellness plan piece, how can we teach them adaptive skills? Like, how, how can you get this need met without um, tearing up the house to be able to do it, right? How are we going to interact as a family outside of the home? Because again, we do not want our loved one to feel isolated. So we want to make sure they have support and we want whatever concerns we have people may have questions concerns is this person safe can i bring this person around my younger kids what you know how do we navigate this uh and so that is the type of information that's important for family members as well as we talk about this plan with kids if they are the ones um that are asking a lot of questions about this loved one uh, it, it's sometimes helpful to talk to kids about physical illness and kind of equated to mental illness right because a lot of times children can understand that a person gets sick they get a cold kids can understand that a person wears glasses to help them see and so we can talk to them in those ways give them examples in 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 that way uh, they like visuals they like um, stories those kind of things to be able to understand hey what's going on with this loved one that i see is pacing around the house and is talking to themselves right so what is going on with them well you know how when you don't get enough sleep and you're really really tired and you're cranky and you're kind of falling asleep in the car yeah um well that's what happens sometimes when people have and you can decide how you want to talk about the illness depending on their age range um when uh, a person has a type of illness that uncle jimmy has it makes them kind of groggy and tired and so you'll see them nodding and falling asleep 
um, and it makes him kind of forget where he is sometimes. He's not sure, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, where am I? Um, so Uncle Jimmy, sometimes it gets confused about where he is. Um, and uh, you know how you used to play with your uh, action figures and they would talk to each other. That's what Uncle Jimmy does. He's kind of got action figures in where he can only see them and we can't and they're talking to each other, right? So just trying to break it down so they can um, understand. And I think it's really important for that loved one who is dealing with a disorder and whether that's your child or someone else in the family to understand that your love is conditional and that they don't have to be good or not ill in order for them to be loved. And we wanna focus on their strengths because no matter what a person is diagnosed with, they have things that they do really well. Like I said, that person who you love and care about is still there. Um, they may be musically talented. Uh, they may be very well read and so they can share a lot of information about things. If these are your kids, maybe they have a diagnosis of attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, or uh, one of the spectrum disorders. Like they may be really, really gifted at, um, at chess or sports or um, be really creative. And we don't wanna just focus on what they can do either. We wanna focus on some of their other abilities as well. They're very loving, they're very caring. You do a great job um, of helping mommy in the kitchen, or you do a great job of helping dad with the lawn care. Those are very stereotypical examples uh, of gender roles, uh, but nonetheless. But being able to allow them to see that they have worth, that they have value. Um, that we don't label them and talk about their behaviors. Did you take your medication today? I can tell because you acting up, right? So um, like, hey, baby, how's you do how you doing? How's your day been? Uh, what'd you do this morning? Did you have breakfast? Yeah. Take your medication with your breakfast? Oh, I forgot, right? So we don't want to just focus on their behaviors um, because then that makes them feel less than and targeted and like, and kids will ask you, is something wrong with me? Am I, am I slow? Am I stupid? Am I dumb? Right? They'll pick up on these things. So we want to make sure that they are able to see all of the different aspects of them as well and not just this uh, mental illness that they may have. And we want to focus on coping skills with our loved ones. And that's really important. How can they address their illness? That's part of their wellness plan. What can they do? Um, to have meaningful and purposeful activity. Um, we get better when we practice, right? So having them practice different things is really, really important. Self-care is also important in terms of you as a caregiver. Um, and, and I saved this one last for last because often this is the one that's forgotten and I want it to be the last thing that you hear so it stays on your mind as one of the first things that you remember you are able to have your emotions and your feelings. Having someone in your family with a diagnosable mental illness can be very, very difficult and challenging, particularly if you are in more of a caregiver role because they need more assistance. So you be honest about how you feel because if you're not honest about how you feel, it's gonna come out in these very unhealthy ways later on. And so it's also important for you to manage your grief about losing this person who you thought was going to be different um, and accepting this person with their limitations and their abilities, um, having realistic expectations for them, but getting coping skills to deal with triggers because sometimes people's behavior is triggering for us. Um, they can be aggressive. They can be angry. They can be moody. 
um, the, the suicide attempts, and we can take that very personal, like why, why are you trying to kill yourself? Do you not realize how that would affect me, right? So we're having a lot of emotions as well, and we're getting triggered, and so we need to be able to have a space and a place to process that. So we have to attend to our wellness, our emotional wellness, our physical well, our financial wellness, our social wellness. So therapy may be very helpful for us too. Support groups may be very helpful for us. Um, being able to set boundaries, because as I said, um, not everyone is intending to be manipulative, but we do know that people can be. And we do know that even if people aren't intending to be harmful and hurtful to us, they can be. So I need to set some boundaries. All right. So I may have to get a caregiver to come in there and help. Give me a break. Give me an afternoon off or a weekend off or a day off um, to be able to get some respite myself, to get some rest, to recharge. Um, you can say no to things. So a lot of times what we end up doing is when we feel out of balance in one area, we just kind of throw ourselves into another area. My house feels like chaos, so I'm just gonna work all these long hours so I don't have to deal with this. Well, I do not encourage that. I do encourage, however, you increase your wellness activities, finding stuff that gives you joy every day. What are your short and long-term goals? What are your activities that you do to decrease your stress? Make room for laughter. That's really important during that time. Who is your support people, the people that you can go to? Um, what's your safe space? How are you able to, to um, kind of recharge and be able to take a break away even in the house? Because sometimes when the house is a source of our stress, we find it harder to be able to de-stress there. But let me find a safe space. That's my closet, the car, um, the garage, the bathroom, wherever it may be so I can have some peace for my own well-being in there and being able to have a place where I can be honest and say the stuff that I would not say to this loved one in their face, but that I'm feeling and I need to be able to process through that so I don't build up resentment and I don't end up having medical conditions because we do know that stress is one of the biggest causes of why we end up having cardiac events, why we have GI issues, migraines, um, right? These aches and pains. There's a lot of ways that stress shows up in our body. So we want to make sure that we're attending to those things. So there are a lot of support resources, as I told you, um, healthychildren.org, which is sponsored by the American Academy of Pediatrics, um, aacap.org, which is the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, and I will um, drop these in the description, uh, ffcmh.org, which is the National Federation of Families for Children's Mental Health, um, NAMI.org, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness, psychologytoday.com, sponsored by Psychology Today, um, and then APA.org, which is our American Psychological Association. All of these websites have sections that are geared toward um, dealing with uh, family members that have mental health disorders, children that have mental health disorders, understanding mental health disorders. This is also always research-based information. It's factual, it's accurate. So you don't have to worry about the content being misleading or, or um, not, not being up to date, right? So they refresh, you'll see articles coming out very frequently and they have a lot of language that is very understandable to a variety of different age groups as well. They've got strategies, they've got books, they'll give you um, suggestions for things. I want you to know that there is no shame, no shame in being diagnosed with a mental illness. The shaming comes from when we are miseducated about mental illness, when we misunderstand the symptoms of illness, when we mislabel what is actually going on, and when we are mismanaging the actual disorder. 
So let's normalize mental health. And more importantly, let's be well. Take care.